0: welcome everybody to episode one of the horror's edge my name is phil
1: and i'm stacy
0: and what we do on this channel is review both modern and uh classic horror movies we're going to be both reviewing them ourselves as well as going over a full spoiler uh step by step of the movie what we think of it and uh how it rates for us so a little bit of a background on myself i've been a horror fan since i can remember
1: and i have not
0: (laughs) we got married about 15 years ago And uh, when we first got married, I started talking about all the horror movies that I've seen in the past. And uh, then I asked her, what have you seen? And her answer was...
1: Casper the Friendly Ghost.
0: (laughs) To her, that was the uh, epitome of horror. Uh, The fact that somebody could come back as a little uh, white cartoony character and make funny jokes with you was uh, utterly terrifying. (laughs) Um, What did you think of horror movies growing up? Obviously, you didn't see them, but were you afraid to go out and watch them
1: yes i think i was scared because i thought it would happen to me
0: okay okay um i remember the first one that i saw a little bit different than casper it was uh the 1990s stephen king's it um a little different a little bit different (laughs) i was probably five years old maybe six years old someplace in there saw it on tv and it scared the ever loving shit out of me um i think that was the first horror movie that i showed you when we first got together
1: yeah I think it was um the first movie
0: so obviously by then the graphics and everything were super out of date but what did you think of it overall
1: it it was scary (laughs) I was scared to go to bed that night
0: and uh by this point now that you've seen several horror movies it's probably not nearly as uh scary right definitely not okay now i know that a lot of this has been me dragging you along so i appreciate you coming along for the ride and it seems like you're actually starting to gain somewhat of an appreciation if not still terrified of it
1: (laughs) oh i'm loving it
0: um so introducing her to horror was an interesting thing so obviously i showed her it and she's like this is stupid i'm never going to watch this again it's terrifying but then the things that she got attracted to was saw hostile and she's she hates seeing that stuff on TV, <laughs> so I don't know what about that made you interested. Do you have any idea?
1: I don't know. I think I like the true crime aspect of it.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I think that's enough of the backstory. We'll uncover a little bit more maybe each podcast or as things pop up, but uh, today we're going to be taking a look at the 1979 movie Alien, directed by Ridley Scott, Um what we just recently watched was the 2003 director's cut, which prior to this viewing, I've never seen before. And I'm, I'm a diehard alien fan. Uh, I remember as a kid, I might have been 10 or 12, something like that. And I remember putting the fake waterworks on to my parents to uh, go up to them and be like, man. I really want the Alien trilogy on VHS, but I know Santa's not going to get it for me because it's not age-appropriate. And I was just laying it on thick. And eventually, sure enough, that Christmas Santa delivered. And uh,
1: Good job, I, Santa. Yeah.
0: I watched Alien, and specifically Aliens, at least every week. Probably more frequently than that, though. Um, have you had any experience with this movie in the past?
1: Not the director's cut but I've seen the original probably four times.
0: Okay, and that's only because I had it on and you were kind of in the background, so not fully paying attention, I'm assuming.
1: I I think I've watched it once fully paying attention.
0: Okay, okay. Um, So first we're going to give a quick uh, overview of the movie, some uh, little cool facts, no spoilers or anything like that. Before I come into any type of spoilers, I will give you a uh, heads up on it. But this movie had a really small cast to it. So the people that were in it, uh, we have Sigourney Weaver, who played Ripley, the warrant officer. Uh, Tom Skerritt played Captain Dallas. Uh, John Hurt played the executive officer, Kane. Veronica Cartwright played the navigator, Lambert. Uh, Harry Stanton played the engineer, Brett. Ian Holm played the science officer, Ash. Yehet Koto played the chief engineer, Parker. And Balaji Badego played the alien. Uh, so very small cast. Um, overall, they did phenomenal, don't you think? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, every single one of them did exactly what they were trying to do. Whether that's you're trying to love them, hate them, absolutely hate them, um, feel for them, sympathize with them, all that. And I think that they did a very, very good job. Stacy, if you don't know her, uh, she likes talking with her hands. So this is going to be a new experience for her. (laughs) I can see her giving me sign language over there, but you do need to talk into the mic a little bit here.
1: Yes, I thought they did a great job with the casting. They cast the characters very well.
0: Okay. So a couple of uh, things I found on IMDb. The budget for this movie was $11 million, which back then was quite a bit for a uh, sci-fi horror type of movie. They didn't get big budgets like that for this, but obviously it paid off tremendously for them as this has become a gigantic uh, success worldwide. I was actually looking it up, and it's currently rated as number 47 of all movies overall on IMDb. Uh, now that is user ratings. It has a 8.5 with an 89 Metascore. Um, so it's very, very highly recommended by everybody. That's with 872,000 votes. So that's an extraordinarily high ranking, putting it up there with all-time classics. Um, Stacy, if you were to give a rating for this, one being absolute dog shit don't watch it don't waste your time five being it was average if you put it on you're not going to be too upset ten being this transcends hard it's absolutely amazing you recommend it to everybody where would you put it
1: i put it at a rating of eight i thought that overall the movie really did well holding up over time the graphics for the most part held up over time Um, The character and the character building of the whole movie really kind of brought you into the forefront of what the movie was.
0: Okay. Um, I gave this a 10 out of 10. To me, this is something that everybody should see. If you have not seen this yet, it should be something that you instantly drop what you do. Uh, Go check it out. Uh, It's an absolute masterpiece to me, and almost all of it. I do say almost. I'll break into that during the spoiler review. Almost all of it holds up perfectly today. Uh, The physical effects are amazing. Even some of the computer-generated stuff that they did, this is 43 years old. It it still kind of holds up today. I agree. The acting, absolute top-notch. There's not a single bad actor in this, and it, it helps that they have such a small cast because then you can cast it perfectly. And actually, a funny story about the cast, the alien, so they tested a whole bunch of different people out, Obviously, this is a very critical role in this movie that needs to be cast perfectly, so that way your main bad guy comes off as being terrifying. They tried so many different people. They even brought in Chewbacca in a tryout, uh, but it turns out that the uh, director, Ridley Scott, was at a pub and found uh, Balaji there and ended up hiring him on the spot.
1: Right place, right time.
0: uh, You're not kidding. it's, It's amazing that that story even exists. So uh we are going to get into spoilers from here so if you have not seen this movie check it out it's definitely worth a watch what do you think definitely worth a watch or if you only if you're a fan of horror check it out
1: no i think it's worth a watch whether you like a horror or not it kind of balances between horror and science by but it's not a terrible
0: balance yeah i can see the sci-fi aspect aspect behind it um now when you get into the sequel, specifically Aliens, there is a huge debate in the horror community, is this horror, is it sci-fi? Uh, once, as a little spoiler, to me the sequel is better than the original. That is a top three of all time movie for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had it in all the time, I'm still watching it all the time as you are smirking your little face off over there, <laughs> uh, but this is a review on Alien, which still absolutely amazing. So, we are getting into spoilers. If you do not want this 43-year-old movie spoiled, (laughs) then (laughs) you already know what happens, but don't listen. Okay. So, watching the director's cut, which I mentioned, I've never seen it before. Um, It starts out with a quick introduction by Ridley Scott. It's it's not long. It's maybe two minutes. And and he describes the movie as being pretty good, but over time he found some things that he needed to put in there to kind of complete the story. And the fact that he just calls it pretty good. How humble can you be?
1: A little shocking.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is something that inspired so many horror movies. It's absolutely insane. And to only call it pretty good. That's a huge credit to uh, Ridley Scott for being able to hold back and being humble about himself. Um, the The intro that he gave it, it was fine. I was really hoping for more.
1: I went in a little bit more of behind the scenes.
0: And I know uh, there's a lot of uh, extras in the... Uh, I have a Blu-ray set that I bought of the Quadrilogy. The first four movies in the making of. So there's more of it in there. But I was hoping that this would be maybe a five or six minute intro by Ridley. Describing a little bit more about it. Uh, like all of his thinkings behind why he's doing a director's cut vice the theatrical release, which was highly credited. Uh, there are movies out there like uh, Justice League needed a director's cut really bad because that movie sucked. Uh, <laughs> and the director's cut helped with that by adding stuff in that the producers made them take out or whatnot, and hearing the stories behind that it made a lot of sense. So as soon as the movie itself actually kicks off, uh, we're left with a very quiet, anonymous uh, title card, basically, where they're slowly building out the word "alien" in the middle of space, just showing you there's nothing here.
1: Very quiet. The only thing that you hear is some sounds. What are aliens?
0: Yeah, and at the time you don't really know it, but uh, it definitely does give that type of screeching type of noise uh, towards as the word "alien" is closing out. Uh, As soon as the title card's away, it it ends up starting to show you the corridors of the uh, Nostromo, which is a commercial towing uh, ship out in the middle of space. And once again, super quiet, maybe two minutes straight of just going through narrow hallways.
1: Very claustrophobic.
0: The amount that the claustrophobia builds up in this is tremendous. It shows you, first off, Nobody's around, you're in tight, tight, narrow spaces, and once again, there's nothing. There's literally your small crew of, what is it, six people? One, two, three, four, five. Six people, and that's it. There is nothing else on this gigantic ship, and not only that, it showed the space at first, so there's nothing near you. Very, very cool way to open the film up. A lot of horror movies will uh, go for the throat right at the beginning and have some crazy opening-like scream.
1: I really liked how they opened the scene like that. It's very unsettling. Kind of gives you this, like, gurgle in your stomach that uh, you're not sure what's going to happen. Why are they showing it this way?
0: Yeah. And then from here, the uh, computer wakes up the crew. You don't quite know that it's the computer yet, but all the lights turn on. The crew is waking up. Um, And Dallas goes in, the captain of the ship goes in to talk to Mother which is the computer processor that they have, the artificial intelligence that's basically helped navigate, uh, giving commands from the corporation to them of what's going on. So at this time, it's kind of jumping back and forth between different uh, characters. Like it will show Lambert, and she's the navigator, obviously. So she's in the seat, and she's like, where's Earth? Um, and... Then it goes over to Brett and Parker, who are complaining about their shares with the company, which is a a joke that they throw in there several times throughout this movie. And They don't force it. It doesn't feel like it's getting shoved down your throat, but it really does feel like it's adding to the value of these characters.
1: It gives them a personality.
0: Yeah, and as a maintainer myself, I I know that personality. It's uh, You do all the work, everybody else is getting all the glory, And the money. What's in it for us? We're out here busting our asses. If we didn't do this, the ship would not be flying. If it weren't for the science engineer, it would still fly. If it wasn't for the second navigator, it will still fly. If it wasn't for an executive officer, they still have the captain. But if you don't have the crew there, and it's broke, you're in trouble. So it was a pretty cool way to uh, look at that. And it it goes back to uh, Captain Dallas, who uh, finds out from Mother that They're actually not on a course to Earth. They got woken up by mother um, because there was a transmission that it picked up. And it was an unknown transmission at, I believe that it was either 12 or 18 second intervals. I didn't write down how far apart they were. Um, And they couldn't quite decrypt what it was, but it was repeating. So they thought maybe it's an SOS or something along those lines. So they all decide that they are going to pull up to the planet and find out what's going on with the transmission there was obviously reluctance with some of the crew members um specifically brett and parker wanting more money um but that's how they ended up getting to this planet uh which once again more character building so they're pulling up and when it first has the shuttle pull out of the ship it's showing these beautiful wide shots of the galaxy uh you can see different planets in the background. One of them, it's not Saturn, but it kind of looks like it because it has the rings and just the amount of CGI that they have in this. It's absolutely gorgeous. What do you think of the scene?
1: I thought it was beautiful the way they kind of set the, set the tone for the scene. Uh, you have a lot of people that are reluctant to go do this job. That's not what they signed up for, but slowly but surely they
0: all agree to it. Yeah. So from here, they get out. It's very rough atmosphere. It's causing a bunch of turbulence as they're uh, going down, but they smooth it out. Uh, the pilots do a good job. And then on the landing, one the rocks that they land on breaks, which makes it violently crash and does a lot of damage to the ship, causing hull breach. Um, another funny thing between uh, Brett and Parker, if they were going back to them and asking them, so with all this damage, how long is it going to take to repair and Brett looks over to Parker and said, it's at least going to take 17 hours. Parker hops on the mic. And he's like, at least 25 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm constantly dying laughing at this. Something that I didn't catch on as a kid, but now as a maintainer, I do. You always overestimate the time. It's better to finish early and make people happy or finish on time, which is past your expectation. Then them an expectation of 17 hours, it takes you 18. Now it took you too long to do it. So very little thing. They didn't dig into it, but pretty funny to me. So um, where are we at here? So three people depart from the uh, shuttle to investigate the uh, transmission while this is going on. You have Dallas. uh, You have Kane. And then they needed a third person, so they volunteered Lambert to do it. And you can see the hesitation in her. She, she's very nervous about going out. She didn't want to in the first place. Once again, very small character building. It didn't take much, but the looks on her face said everything about
1: it. I agree. The way that she was told that she was going, you could see in her face she didn't want to go. And that was a good way to build on, for the rest of the movie, how she kind of goes along doing what the crew's asking her to do even though she doesn't necessarily think it's the right thing
0: yeah so from here the three of them travel out uh they said that i believe that it was two thousand meters away and uh beautiful scenery on the way out there but then you see a wide shot of them with the spaceship in the background which as a kid i had no idea what it was because i was watching it on a vhs on a 15 inch screen to me it just looked like more rocks and it didn't make sense why they're like oh my god can you guys see what we're seeing uh, but they showed it in such an awesome way. It was a video feed of a first-hand video from their spacesuit, and it was all grainy. Uh, the video was kind of cutting in and out a little bit, and it was such a cool way to show what Ripley and Ash are seeing on the actual craft. I think
1: it gave a sense of fear, too, the way that it was cutting in and out. The communication between the ship and the three of them was kind of breaking up, in and out, really kind of gave you this uneasy feeling of what are they going to find there on that, that planet.
0: Yeah. And you could tell, tell the audio was cutting in and out as well as they first made it into the uh, alien spacecraft that they saw. So when they first walk in, they come to this massive uh, room after going through a couple corridors, and there's a massive dead alien uh, in what looks like a navigator seat uh, in the center of it. And it was mummified. It's obviously been a long time since this creature died. Um,
1: Did they say when they got the signal to go help that ship out?
0: No, but it looked like it was all pretty quick. Like they got the signal, they were already close to it, and then landed on there. So this uh, thing had died quite some time ago, um, and it's been there. So when they were investigating it, they looked at its skeletal structure, and they noticed that its ribs were broken from the inside, uh, they were wondering what the hell was going on and Lambert's like I-, I want nothing to do with this we should leave
1: again builds on her character of she's scared she doesn't want to be there yep. she's just trying to follow the orders
0: yeah and Dallas is uh, I don't want to say he's fearless but he's sheepish in a sense of no we have to do this we were told that we had to do this let's go do this Uh, he was taking command he was being very clear about it but he can tell that he was doing it because the was. Court- and said that they should be doing it. And Kane was just, okay, whatever, let's do it. Hey, I found a hole over here. <laughs> there's a big hole in the grate. So he ends up descending down this hole, almost like uh, people uh, diving into a cave. Uh, he's slowly descending down to it finally finds ground. And then he notices this giant, almost like a p- shallow pool, and it's got uh, mist uh, in it, but it only goes so high. There's a white barrier or something there. Um, So he goes in it and notices there's eggs everywhere. What looks like eggs? Um, One thing that wrote down that I thought that was pretty funny. I didn't really uh, catch on to this before, but I did this time. And Kane is inspecting the eggs. And on the eggs, there's obviously the cross for when it opens. And he goes, it's completely sealed. Looks like an egg or something. I'm thinking in my head, well, no shit, it's completely sealed. It's fucking egg
1: (laughs) (laughs) what else Uh, would it be (laughs) yeah oh
0: yeah they they make a lot of broken eggs (laughs) they're wide open uh so that was pretty funny to me obviously not intended to be funny but to me it was just a stupid line that shouldn't have been there so anyway he's inspecting and as he gets close and touches it he notices that there's something alive in the egg he sees it move with his light uh so he obviously moves in closer than the top of the egg Uh, pops open and he goes to look at what's inside because pretty much anybody would you're very curious pretty
1: normal reflex
0: yeah you're you're typically not scared of an animal coming out of an egg they're usually not dangerous at that point but this is where you find the face hugger for the first time in the series which pretty much looks like a spider on crack uh it's giant and it takes a hold of kane and goes right on his face and he falls down passes out, and then that's the last scene that you see with those characters. Then it cuts into silence and shows the shuttle again with nothing but the wind and the noise out there. Awesome way to show that despite all this chaos happening, nobody else has an idea of what's going on.
1: Right, it was very peaceful, very unsettling. You're not sure if he's dead, if he's alive, if there's more of them, if they're under attack.
0: Yeah. So, Lambert and uh, Dallas brought Kane back to the shuttle and they're trying to get in at this point. Um, they're knocking on the door, banging on it, and Ripley answers and said, What's There's obviously a video feed. What's going on with Kane? Uh, some creature attached itself to it. And Ripley uh, acknowledged it and said, Okay, you guys need to be in quarantine for 24 hours. I can't let you on the ship. And they're just saying up and down, no, we need to get on the ship. Dallas is like, I'm the uh, captain of the ship. I'm commanding you, let us in. She's like, no, you need to follow the procedures. You would do the same thing in my shoes. And then Ash being the dick that we later find out that he is, he just opens the door. <laughs> um, you don't quite know much about Ash at this point other than his answers are just very textbook. Everything that he says, uh, when people were... When Parker was complaining about not wanting to go on the planet, it was, Ash would speak up and give like a straight line out of a textbook. Almost like a script. And you're just like, man, this is one of those corporation assholes. I don't like this guy. And he does the same exact thing here. Pops open the door, lets him in. Yep. So, they end up bringing him into the medical room, and they cut off his uh, helmet, and Kane realizes at this point, hey, we can't get this thing off. I think that they're calling it a parasite at this point. They grab some tongs and try to rip one of the fingers off that's holding itself to his face. And then it tightens its tail around his neck. So it will suff- it's telling them, I'm going to suffocate this guy if you try and get me off. And they end up putting him into a uh, basically an x-ray or a CT chamber where they get a full image of it. And you find out that it puts a tube inside of his neck. And they're assuming that it's something that way it can be a parasite. It's living off of him, but it's also giving him breaths. That way he doesn't die. And then its meal will be gone.
1: That was a neat image, how they showed it down his throat through the X-ray. And you could see this big, like almost like a needle, down his neck, not knowing what, what it's really doing down there.
0: It's a pretty terrifying image, yeah. uh, especially if you sit back and think about it. That poor guy, if he is conscious, which he's not showing that he is, but if he is, he's sitting there in complete blackness with something hugging around its face, yet he's still able to breathe. And here. And here. That's that's terrifying.
1: Very terrifying.
0: So uh, at this point, Dallas makes the command decision. We're going to cut this thing's legs off and get it off. Uh, Ash tries to get him to change his mind real quickly, saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know that this could kill him, right? And Dallas is like, that's the risk I'm willing to take. At this point, Ash knows it's losing battle. The dick shuts his mouth.
1: And you can see the tension with Ash and some of the other crew members popping popping up right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So they take him out of the uh, chamber. And then from there, they try and cut one of the fingers off of the creature. And the second that they make an incision, it spurts out its blood. But it disgusting. turns disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but it turns out that it's acid. Um, so it falls on the ground, and it starts melting away. And it's a really cool scene of where the entire crew that's sitting outside goes and sprints down to the next level, sprints down to the level below that, and took like three levels of metal grates out uh, from this acid blood. So at this point, they figure out that its blood is made of acid for as some type of defensive mechanism. Um, one thing that I forgot to point out, that I... Think is new to the director's cut. I never saw this before in the original. When Ripley came down uh, to check on Kane, Lambert was in the hallway and she basically attacked Ripley, uh, saying, You were trying to kill us. And uh, Dallas in the other room was actually shouting at her too. So everybody's against her at this point for making this decision, despite it being probably the right one.
1: And it was, she said, it was against the law to not do quarantine. So she was just following the law based on what the legal action was and everybody was
0: upset. Yeah. And I get it. Tensions are going to be high in a situation like that because they're terrified that something happened to this guy could happen to them. And they're saying that they need to be locked out of the ship for 24 hours. That's horrifying. But in all actuality, this entire movie credits would have rolled if, Everybody listened to Ripley while they were in that chamber, and uh, it it is a horror movie. Things need to get the plot rolling, and that was one of the things that did. But the director's cut is the first one that I saw some extra character development there of showing that the other characters were mad at Ripley for making what was the correct choice, ultimately. Um, So from here, they find out that essentially there's nothing that they can do. They need to lock Kane up in that room, and figure it out as they can figure it out. Because they can't cut this thing's leg off. They can't pull it off. Anything that they do is going to kill Kane.
1: They did talk about freezing it.
0: Yes, especially Parker. He was a very big adamant of, why don't you just freeze the damn thing? But I think ultimately they didn't want to kill uh, Kane in the process. So that's where that ended up being. And You can definitely tell throughout this whole thing that Ash is more interested in studying the creature than he is in saving Kane's life.
1: Which is a real uh, sad thing that he cares more about this creature than human life.
0: Yeah. And obviously, as a science officer, you would be extraordinarily interested in something like this. It's it's absolutely fascinating. But when you care about it to the point of not caring about your crew is when you start going, what are you in this for?
1: Yeah, that definitely crosses the line.
0: Yeah. So from here, um, Dallas ends up going to his room, which is an awesome scene. I don't remember it being this long, but he's in his room. He's listening to classical music and he's just looking out into space. I don't know whether he's collecting his thoughts or what the case is, but the fact that he's doing this leads you to believe. This is his true passion as being a captain of a ship. He absolutely loves space because most kids will sit out and look at the stars and think, man, this is amazing. He's still doing it as an adult. Whereas somebody like Parker or Brett are like, man, I hate this shithole.
1: They couldn't wait to get home.
0: Yep. You can tell Dallas was completely content being up there. That is his home. And it reminds me of things like uh, ship captains being out at sea. That's their thing. That they could live out there forever and be completely content. Uh, but he ends up getting a call um, into the other room as they notice that uh, something changed with Kane. They didn't want to say it over the radio. They just said, you need to come see this for yourself. So it's noticed that the uh, face hugger is no longer on Kane. And they're looking around the room to try and find him. Could find him eventually. It falls down on Ripley, which is, I think, like the second jump scare in the movie. The first one was obviously the face hugger going on. which in itself is terrifying mainly because of the quiet afterwards but this one is kind of like a reverse jump scare you see the face hugger behind ripley in the background blurred out before it falls down really cool way to do it
1: it definitely gave me a scare
0: yeah even though i've seen this movie a million times every time i see that scene specifically it makes me jump out of my skin a little bit it's very well done uh, but it turns out the face hugger's already dead. It, it killed itself as it uh detached from Kane. They didn't really go through the details of that, but that's obviously what happened. Um and at this point, Kane is uh he, he ends up waking up. And uh he's sore. He can he doesn't remember much. Uh he said that it, he felt like he was in a nightmare where uh, somebody was strangling them or something along those lines. Which would
1: make sense if something's down your throat.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But he, other than the soreness and the, I don't know what just happened, he, he was completely okay. He
1: was hungry. Yeah,
0: he said, yeah, I am hungry as hell. Uh, so uh, Lambert comes out and says, well, I have bad news. We're 10 months from Earth, so we need to go back into cryosleep. Uh, so they all decided that they're going to have one last meal before going into cryosleep. Um. And while they're eating, they're just having a discussion with each other, joking, laughing. Everybody's having a good time until uh, Kane starts choking. And Parker looks over at him and he thinks that he's just coughing up on his food because he was joking about how bad it was. He's like, come on, man, food ain't that bad, brother. And uh, he ends up going into what seemed like a seizure. So they all hold him down on the table. They go to hold his tongue. Exactly what you would do in that situation. And then all of a sudden, his chest pushed out a little bit, and you just see blood splatter on everybody.
1: Which was terrifying. That was the second jump scare.
0: The third. Third. Uh, But this is probably the most iconic scene in all the alien movies, for sure. But in horror, this is one of the most iconic scenes. From here is where the alien bursts out of his chest, uh, and the visual of it is very cool.
1: The visual was very awesome. Yeah, very scary very unsettling
0: really this is the only graphic scene in the whole movie actually it's yes. rated r it's deemed as being a horrifying terrible movie super graphic but it wasn't mo- gory no most until of the stuff, this point at this point was a little bit but looking comparing to almost any movie of it's genre it's still very tame but with yes. what little it does it does it very very well So from here, a somewhat dated scene of the alien running across the table happens. You can tell that it's a puppet. Uh, This is the only scene where the alien itself does not look good to me.
1: Now, I remember you telling me that the cast and the crew did not know about the blood splatter that was coming from the alien coming out.
0: I remember reading that uh, Ridley Scott didn't tell all the other uh, crew that the first splatter wasn't going, wasn't. Uh, didn't tell me anything about it. So when it did happen, the shock and horror on their faces, the, what the fuck just happened? That was real. That was a real. I think that was a
1: good move on his part as a director to give that sense of surprise to get their genuine reaction. I don't think you could have done it any other way.
0: Would have been very difficult. So at this point, the alien runs away and the crew needs to figure out what's going on. But we're currently 57 minutes into it. And that's the first kill in the entire movie, which uh to have that type of control when you're making a horror movie is very difficult because you need to keep the audience engaged. And to be able to do that for fifty seven minutes before any type of true violence happens, the face hugger happens a little bit before it, but you don't know what it is or anything about it really. This is the first act of violence that happens. And They took their time, which really, really helped build the characters. It helped build the story. It helped build the environment. I thought that was very cool. So immediately after the alien runs away, once again, we cut back to a visual of silence in space. Once again, reaffirming, you're on your own. Nobody heard your screams.
1: That has to be so terrifying.
0: Yep. Yep. So from here we go into a uh, basically a team powwow where they all gather up in a circle and they find out Parker made a probe for them, uh, a prod, a cow prod, uh, and that's basically the only weapon that they have. That's it. Um, they said that it, it's not going to kill them unless if its skin is much more frail than a humans, but it will definitely make the bastard know that we're here. And Ash uh, made some type of tracking device that helps track air, but it has a very limited range. So that's all that they have to go against this alien. Um, now, at this point, you have to assume that they all think this alien's small. Because they just saw it come out of his chest. It was only about a foot and a half, maybe two feet. Uh, very skinny, so it shouldn't be that big of a foe to go against. Um,
1: and it's one of them and five? Yep,
0: five people. Five people so they break up into two different groups and they split off to try and find this alien um ripley is with brett and parker and they hear commotion in a locker the rocker uh, locker is making a noise so uh, brett or parker is holding up a net and brett's holding up the other side and ripley is in the middle with the uh taser basically and opens the door And Brett gets scared because a cat jumps out and runs away. And they're like, what the hell was that, man? He's like, "Was a cat? It's scared me. I don't know. So it was a jump scare, but a funny jump scare. Uh, And it was done pretty well. But then they decided, "Brett, you fucked up. You should have caught the cat in the net. Um, So they make him go get it because it was tripping off the motion sensor. How are they supposed to find the alien if the stupid cat's running around? So they make Brett go and get it, which... It's weird that they determined that they needed to stay in groups, but they still sent Brett out by himself to get the cat. Maybe it was a, hey, you messed up, you need to learn from your lessons type of deal. I'm not sure.
1: One thing that we forgot to mention is what they did with Kane's body.
0: Yes. So, uh, before they had the powwow, um, they did a basically a burial at space where they... Uh, Very quickly. Yeah, it was immediately after... Because they didn't quite know if there was another one of these things inside of him or still growing inside of him. So they knew that they needed to get rid of it and decontaminate the ship to where the only thing left was the alien. Um, and they had a visual of everybody standing around a video looking at the body in a place where they can shoot it out to space. And Dallas looks around and asks, does anybody want to say anything? It's complete silence. Nobody says anything. And he just pushes the button and he shoots out into nothing he's gone almost instantly.
1: That visual was so unsettling, seeing a body just shoot out of the ship like a baseball, yeah. and nobody says anything. Complete yeah. silence. That's yeah. when I think the fear really started settling for the crew.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you think about it, a typical, uh, uh, let's say, a... Viewing service. You have a week to prepare yourself for that. You have a week to get your emotions in check to be ready for what's going on. Here, these guys decided this needs to be done instantly. So when they said, "Does anybody want to say anything?" They're still all in complete shock of what the fuck did we just say Yeah. Because they nobody knows aliens are a thing at this point. Even though it's a futuristic-ish world, uh, nobody thinks aliens like that exist. Uh, to them, it's just an unknown parasite somehow it manifested this giant creature inside of him and killed him and now it's running around inside their ship and they can't find it terrifying uh so going back to brett he finds a uh shed skin of the alien in this uh huge open room so they zoom out when he walks in and it's some type of loading dock or something like that because there's loading chains all over the place and you can see the condensation of water falling all over the place Beautifully shot and the way that the sound effects are in this room. You can tell that it's quiet, but because there's a slight wind from all the, I'm assuming, air conditioning pipes and all that, um, the chains are moving just a little bit, so you just hear... Really cool way to set the mood inside of this room.
1: You know something's about to happen.
0: Yeah, so Brett ends up finding the cat, and the cat hit, like backs up into the corner and hisses at him. And then you slowly see the tail of the alien behind him. And then you see the alien very slowly pop down from the ceiling. And at this point, Brett knows something happened. So he slowly stands up and turns around. And this is your first visual of the alien. And they did so good with the creature design.
1: That first visual of the alien gives me goosebumps. You see the tip of the tail wind around probably what eight feet tall Mm -hmm. of this big alien head goosebumps
0: yeah very well done the head of it is super super shiny or the rest of it is uh very bony like uh really really cool design but you end up finding out that this alien has a mouth inside of its mouth and that's how he ends up dying it attacks him um so uh from here this is kill number two out an hour and eight minutes into this movie. I ended up doing a quick pause of the movie to go to the bathroom. And as I walked back, Stacy goes, we still have an hour to go? <laughs> <laughs> so, so did it feel like this movie was moving slow to you at this point?
1: In the beginning, it did. It felt like, what are we doing on this ship? Why are we kind of building up these characters. But now looking back, I realize that that was important to slowly build each character of this crew to get an understanding of what we're going to see moving forward. But at that point, yes, it
0: felt like forever. Okay. And to me, somebody who n- not only has seen this movie several times, I've seen a bunch of horror movies. I, I truly appreciate when a movie takes its time like this. Uh, I enjoy some... Crazy movies where it just starts with the action and it's non-stop but when it's trying to deliver tension the best way to do that is with solid pacing and uh spacing things out like this so to me that was amazing uh the pacing so from here uh parker and ripley heard his screams so they went in there and they found uh i think only blood if i'm not mistaken uh, it was dripping from the ceiling. You could see some of it on Parker's shirt. So Parker knew this thing must have been huge because it dragged him up through the air ducts. So from here, we transition to another group powwow. Uh, almost seems like we were just here. Hey, we just had this discussion. We just came up with this plan, but obviously it didn't work. So Parker explained what he saw. And uh, he ended up making a flamethrower out of the things that they had. Um, And they came up with a plan where they're going to try and trap this creature and then shoot it out the same exact uh, way that they shot Kane's body out. Get it out of the ship. Um, So Dallas uh, volunteers himself to go through the air ducts to try and find this thing with the uh, flamethrower, which is really cool uh set up for it you can see how these air ducts open and close and it's almost like a circle that's opening and closing and as they close you see the light disappear in these ducts that uh dallas is in and the only light that you have is from the flamethrower really terrifying stuff
1: super neat visual
0: absolutely so uh super confined too Uh, Uh, i couldn't imagine it's similar to a crawl space but then you're also very tight on each side and it's hot And it's extremely hot, so you can see visually he's sweating. He's dealing with the heat from the flamethrower as well as being in there and navigating through these sections. And he's having Ripley shut the gates behind him. All the time, Lambert uh, has the motion detector, and she's kind of tracking along as where they are and where the alien is. And she's able to see him. And the panic in her voice keeps rising and rising and rising because she's seeing the alien get closer to him. But Dallas can't see it. He has no idea that this is going on. Um, the panic in her voice, it, it's so well done. So well done. It, it really makes you feel for her. Not only Dallas, because he's in the situation, but her. Uh, because she's the one helping.
1: She, I think she feels responsible, for sure. That she's kind of t- telling him, this is where the alien is. But she's not completely sure. So she has that uneasiness. And panic.
0: Yep, absolutely. And from here, uh, we see the alien lunge at him, and then it cuts away. It gets rid of him, and then they just see one dot on the motion tracker now. So we're at one hour and 14 minutes, and so you can see things are really ramping up. It's only been six minutes since the last uh, crew member had perished, and at this point, we're at three people who died. So Ripley now finds herself in a situation where... Parker just found the spot that he died. No signs of him whatsoever. No blood. Uh, the only things that are there are the things that he had on him. The flamethrower and the flashlight. That's, which, it. that's
1: terrifying.
0: Yeah. So you have to assume that he's dead because you saw what happened to the last... Well, you didn't see what happened, but you have an idea of what happened to the last guy. And now this guy just vanished. Uh, and you can tell that he was terrified over the microphone as well, which cut out. Um So from here, Ripley is now in charge because not only did the captain of the ship disappear or perished, the executive officer as well, and Kane uh, is no longer there. So now as the warrant officer, she's in charge, and Ash is fighting with her on this. He's saying, no, this is what we need to do. We need to make sure that this creature stays alive, and uh, that should be our priority. And she said no we're going to destroy this thing, period. So So they're on two different pages. Two completely different pages, but she's in charge. So she says, that's fine. I'll talk to Mother myself and find out what's going on. So she goes into the computer room since she now has access and is talking to this artificial intelligence computer via typing. Um, And they find out that the number one priority from the corporation has changed. It's no longer investigate the specimen. It's Preserve the specimen. Bring it back. That's number one priority. All other priorities are not important. Crew, expendable. Those
1: Those, words.
0: Those two words typed out still gives me goosebumps. Um, Crew, expendable. As the new captain of the ship, because people just died. Your friends just died. And find out that the only thing that this corporation cares about is that creature. They don't give a shit about you. You can die are completely fine with that as long as the alien comes back to them.
1: I think that's when you see uh, Ripley really change her thinking. When she sees that pop up on the screen, she realizes that she needs to take charge. Yeah, She needs to be the leader to get everybody home safe.
0: Yeah, and at this point, she was always the person who uh, would jump to the spot, but then would get shot down. Jump to the spot, would get shot down. There's nobody to shoot her down at this point, so she, she just said... In fuck this, this is what we're going to do. And as she walks out, uh, Ash tries to kill Ripley for her defiance, basically saying, I don't give a damn what you think, mother, we're going to kill this thing. And Ash, they get into a little scuffle and then you see a bead of uh, red on Ash's, or white on Ash's forehead and then it pans over to Ripley and you see a bead of white on her nose, meaning both of them got damaged in battle, but then it it clicks in her head wait what? why was that white and it's at this point that ash just goes insane he knocks ripley down puts a magazine over her mouth and tries to strangle her uh parker hears all this commotion runs in gets a fire extinguisher and knocks ash's head off but inside is nothing but white and wires and all these connections he's an android Uh, And nobody on the crew had any idea that there was a synthetic. They thought that he was a person. So to find the betrayal from the company in this type of fashion was pretty shocking to everybody. And then, without a moment's of hesitation, despite his head being knocked off, he then turns around and tries to kill Parker for that. Uh, And Lambert actually shocks him with the taser. So he ends up dying. Uh, So we're at one hour and 22 minutes, and if you want to count that as a kill, because it's a android, we're now up to four. Uh, They end up bringing Ash back to life, in a sense, or giving it the type of power that it needs to still convert, talk with it, to try and figure out what are we dealing with, because obviously you know. Obviously you know what's going on. You're the one that's been talking to Mother and sending these transmissions of what we have, and Ash just looks at him and says... You can't kill it. It's a perfect organism. and uh, it's,
1: fan, uh
0: intrigued with it. Yep. He said, its structural perfection is only matched by its host- uh, hostility. A Really, really cool line. And they end up saying that several times throughout the Alien franchise, but it never quite hits his home as much as it does right here. And Ripley gets really pissed and gets ready to rip the wires out of it. And he says, wait, wait, wait. I... I cannot lie to you about your chances of survival, but you have my sympathies. And he gives this evil smile, just like, I I know you're all going to die. I'm glad that I get to see this before I get turned off. And then she rips the uh, electrical wires out of it. And before they walk out, Parker Gets a the flamethrower and hits him with the flamethrower. It's a really cool scene where you see his exoskeleton, basically the fake skin, melt. And then all that's left is like a robotic uh, skull.
1: But he was still smiling.
0: Still smiling. You can still see the smile on it. Really cool. Uh, so from here, Ripley decides that uh, they're going to take the shuttle and blow up the aircraft. There's the three of way. them left. It's the only thing that they can do. So uh, they need that it was coolant or something like that so they sent parker and lambert to get it while ripley um goes to set up the shuttle for self-destruction as well as find the cat uh, jonesy so parker and lambert you see him filling up a cart with all the coolant and uh they're talking with ripley over communications and the alien finds them now it doesn't really show anything other than the alien come up to lambert and then parker jumps in to try and save her You see a little bit of blood inside of his mouth, but not much. What you do, though, is you hear it over the microphone when it's showing Ripley. It's They do such a good job of showing their pain without showing them. And Ripley is hearing this, knowing that she can't do anything.
1: I think that's impressive when a director in a movie can make you visualize what they want you to see. Based solely on sound.
0: Yeah. So at this point, we are one hour and 32 minutes into the movie, and then we just got kills five and six off screen. Um, So at this point, Ripley's the sole survivor. She's all that's left. It's her, the cat, and the alien. That's it. So she sets the self-destruction into motion, and from this point on, the rest of the movie is just chaos. You hear sirens going off in the background. You hear these awesome uh, sound effects that they're pumping into the room. They're just making you feel on edge with her. It gives a loud announcement. Uh, Self-destruction is set. You have five minutes to turn it off, and it's given a countdown. And as she's running into the next room, she passes where um, Parker and Lambert just died. You can see her look in the room, be disgusted, and then keep moving on. So she she could see the destruction that was there, obviously. Um, She moves on, and she gets to a room where... All the bodies are uh, basically dug into the wall. They have some type of resin holding them up. Uh, Now, I'm not sure if this was in the original. I don't quite remember it, but I know that it's very prominent in the sequels. It's basically the way that the aliens prepare human hosts. That way, the facehuggers can attack them and create more aliens to build their colony. Um, I don't remember whether it was in the original or not, but it's very well done here. And it shows Dallas trapped in the wall. And he's still kind of sort of alive, kind of sort of cognizant to where he looks at her and just whispers, kill me. Kill me. And it was so You see
1: her pause in that moment when he's speaking. Do I really have to kill him or can I help him? Yeah. She had a split second that I think as a human was like, what do I do?
0: Yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, she ends up using the flamethrower, hits up the wall, not only hitting him but everything else that could potentially be a host for these creatures. Um, it is kind of a plot hole. I won't say that it's not because obviously the eggs are not on the ship. They're only on the planet that they were at. So that is a little bit of a plot hole, but at the same time, it, maybe it's just instinct of these aliens to do that. Um So we got more chaos going on. The alien sees her, so she hightails the other way. She tries to stop the uh, self-destruct feature because the alien is blocking the shuttle. So um, she goes to shut it off, and there's this elaborate way that she needs to shut it off. She's pulling cylinders out of the ground and pushing buttons and jumping through all these hoops. Now... Is that ever going to be how a ship really self-destructs no uh will a ship even have a self-destruct <laughs> probably not but if it did it wouldn't be that way but regardless it was a really cool way to build the tension with the chaos of the alarms going off one minute until self-destruct can get turned off 30 seconds 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 she finishes the procedure self-destruct has now been disabled This whole ship is going to implode in five minutes so mother turned it off on her whether she got it done in time or not it turned off the feature to turn it off but she ends up knocking uh, her way back into the shuttle she makes it in there uh, and with one minute left she straps in launches pushes the button to launch away and uh she moves far enough away the countdown's still going on three two one And then you can see through a window the blast of the shuttle going off. And this is the worst part of the movie because the CGI is horrible. It does not hold up at all. Not at all. And the director's cut shows that explosion four different times. (laughs) It was. It
1: definitely was old school.
0: Yeah, very Star Wars feely uh, bad CGI. And I can't knock it for having bad CGI. It was so long ago, but it does not hold up well at all. But regardless, so uh, she's safe at this point. Everything's calmed down. All the chaos of the ship is over. It doesn't have the alarms, it doesn't have any of that. The only thing that it has is the light is kind of flickering on and off because I believe the the knock the blowback from the explosion hit the ship.
1: You almost feel like she takes a breath of relief.
0: Yeah, she does. So she she picks the cat up, she's stroking Jonesy, like, okay, we made it. She put the cat in the sleep chamber. And shuts the door, and then she's preparing herself to go in. And all of a sudden, she sees the alien on the wall. It's hiding. It's in there. And she is terrified. And the looks that Sigourney Weaver can pull off right here are amazing. She doesn't say anything. But the terror that you feel for her is
1: insane. The way that she portrayed her fear made me scared.
0: Yeah. It's a very, very good tension building moment. And she just slowly backs up. And now the only thing that you're hearing is the flickering of that damn light. It's so cool how they do it. And she ends up backing up into the wall. And she looks and she backed up into a spacesuit. So she's slowly stepping into the spacesuit now. And then she looks over and happens to see like some type of. Either a dart gun or some type of repelling gun or something along those lines. Which, why the fuck didn't they grab that when they were looking for weapons before? I don't know, but she has it. So she is trying to go into the spacesuit. And then she's Without making a sound. Yes, because at this point, the alien kind of thinks that it knows that it sees her, but it's not sure. It's still in the wall. Mm -hmm. It's still hiding out. So then she's in the spacesuit, she clicks on the helmet, and sits down in the seat and slowly starts buckling herself in. At this point, she's so scared, she's mumbling to herself. Complete incoherence. It's almost like she's singing a lullaby to herself or something, but the words are all jarled up to where you can't tell what she's saying. Um, And in order to... So her goal here, I believe, is to open up the doors to shoot this creature out into space. But in order to get to it, she has to face the opposite way of this alien. So she's looking in her spacesuit helmet, which only has vision in the front. And you can see her trying to look behind her, but she can't see. And she's terrified, covered in sweat. And she ends up pushing the button just in time, uh, shoots it with the dart to get it out of the ship. But because the dart's attached to the chain, obviously it doesn't go out. So then she ends up having to hit the blasters of the space shuttle one last time. And then finally you see the alien go out into the nothingness um and Which then, that was
1: a neat visual
0: it was it, it very similar to how kane was shot out the alien was shot out um and you just felt that sense of relief for her from here the movie closes out with ripley uh giving a final report so she's recording herself one last time uh saying sole survivor of the Nostromo. this is my path i surely hope somebody can find me this is ripley signing off and then she goes into her sleep with a cat and credits roll. Awesome. Awesome ending. Almost the perfect movie.
1: Yeah. The way that she's describing, I'm the only one here. I'm all alone. Hoping somebody finds her.
0: Yeah. Because I think in those shuttles, there's not quite enough uh, fuel to make it back to earth obviously it's a 10 month journey um it's not designed for that but uh the fear that you must have going into that cryosleep
1: hoping you wake up
0: yeah absolutely and if you're a fan of uh, the series at all uh you know that she has a little girl uh so her daughter is back on earth so am i ever going to see my kid again that type of thing and that's that's heartbreaking but at the same time, it leaves you with this dread as the credits go. It's a happy ending. They kill the alien. Ripley lives. But what type of world is she living to?
1: Yeah, you don't know if she's going to wake up, if somebody's going to find her. Yep. If an alien's going to come after her.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll be like Jaws uh, the Revenge where the, <laughs> the Jaws get some type of uh, GPS lock on a person <laughs> and seeks them out. <laughs> uh, but th- that's our review on Alien. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you listened all the way through because now you know it. But good for you. <laughs> watch it because the movie does such a better job than I can ever do explaining it. Uh, and if you movie. have seen it before but haven't seen it in a long time, watch it again. The director's cut. director's cut or normal both of them are phenomenal i don't think the director's cut added anything to where you have to see the director's cut but it definitely helped enhance it if you already enjoy the experience maybe if you've never seen it before you want a little bit of that fat trimmed off a little bit less of the building in the beginning watch the theatrical release because i'm sure that's a few minutes shorter but that is the end of the uh, episode. This once again was our first uh, episode and hopefully many more to come. We'll be reviewing uh, new horror movies coming out as well as some of the ones that we love. Once again, this is The Horror's Edge. I'm Phil. I'm Stacy. Thanks for coming in.
1: Thank you.